right here as Katsuri gets to Nisna. Makes a nice move in across the line. Drops it back to Nekti. Nekti past the shot. They score! Oscar Lindblom buries it! And the power play goal ties this game in two! This is episode 55 of the Liberty O. I'm Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? You know, not that good. <laughs> Hasn't been fun, man. <laughs> no, that that last game especially. You know, what's funny about it is after Farabee scored, I was going to text you and say, man, this is why I really love versing the Capitals, but I'm glad I didn't send that text. I mean, they're usually but, good games, especially last. I mean, the last year and a half have been just complete domination on our side, at least. Flyers are just gassed, dude. They look I, gassed. Yeah, I mean... We obviously we we haven't gotten to it yet, but that was going to be one of my first things when we started talking about the reaction that this Flyers team has caused on the timeline, especially. That was going to be like one of my first things that I noticed last night was that just looked like a really tired hockey club. Like I don't want to throw excuses out there because obviously every team right now is dealing with a shortened schedule, dealing with playing an X amount of games in X amount of days. Like I I completely understand that. But that looked like a really tired hockey club. I mean, it, it looked like a, the 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 perfect explanation of just back to back games because they came out hot in the first. They looked like they were all over. They had, they had a jump to their step. The fans definitely helped in the first. But the second and third, it just looked like the Capitals took over and the Capitals didn't play uh, on Sunday. Well, yeah, Sunday. So they were sitting in Philadelphia. I, I'm pretty sure they practiced in the Wells Fargo Center. So they're sitting waiting for the Flyers. And it, it took a period for them to get their feet under them. And it, it really showed. And I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to make an excuse because the Flyers have played like shit the past couple games. But it, they, 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 they just looked tired last night. They really did. It, it looked like a perfect case of just a, a, a team being really tired on the back-to-back. First period was really nice with the fans back. It was really fun. But after that, they just looked gassed. And they just had a lot of players come back from COVID, like a, like a lot of their core players, like the majority of their core players. So it's understandable that back-to-back, especially one where you have to play in Pittsburgh and then travel back home, it's like you have to think, like, even though that's just Pittsburgh to Philly, they're not even really used to to traveling that much, no. especially in this season. And when Giroux first came back, his first game back, everybody commented on how good he looked, and he looked really good. It looked like he was excited to play hockey again, but he admitted after the game that he did not feel good at all especially after it. So, yeah, I, I think getting the amount of play. I mean, Limblom's starting to look good, too. I know he picked up two assists on March 4th in that Penguins game. So, he's starting to have a little. He's due. He's, he's definitely, definitely due. due. I mean, we'll get to Nolan Patrick. That's going to be a huge part of this part of this. Pod, oh, my but... God. that Dude, Nolan Patrick has been such a big topic of discussion. Imagine if he wasn't the last on couple the contract weeks. that he was on right now. I think he'd call us like an Flyers Twitter ago in complete hysteria, dude. Complete hysteria. If he was on, like, if you, he's only making what eight hundred, nine hundred k right now because he's on that yeah. deal. So yep. I mean, it's it's, it's definitely it's something we'll get to. We'll get to that eventually. <laughs> Should we get right into the mailbag thoughts? Yeah, why not? Because that's off? that takes up a lot of honestly of what a lot of what the episode is going to be about is in those questions. So why not? In the net hockey. Our boy in, in the, the new uh, Flyers gents that we got yeah, going on. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Who are we going to eventually trade for? And what would a realistic deal look like? I don't see a way we aren't trading for a defenseman come the deadline. You could take that one. Um, dude, I wish I had like a blueprint in my head. I wish I even had like a target or just something in particular that I wanted. That's the problem is like 
especially with the flat cap and everything, the way the market is, everything just seems so dry. It doesn't oh. seem like there's anything out there that really excites me that, that I really think would actually uh, make the team, like change the team, if you will. Like just bring like that game-breaking elements to the team. That's not out there. I really don't think it's out there. No, at least not right now. Not as right we're now. as we're sitting here talking, the game breaking. I mean, obviously, there's not going to be a game breaking player that's going to be available midway through the season, especially a 56 game kind of. Now, I have season. I've been seeing a lot of people talking about like we throw a crazy package at the Preds for uh, Forsberg and Ekholm. <laughs> all right, all right, you got my interest with that, but like, how realistic is that? It's I not. Mean, that's the thing. It's just yeah. it's just Flyers fans on Twitter, and and, and and granted, everyone does this because it, it, it's fun. Uh, obviously, the Flyers need a little bit of help. I mean, that's not a secret to anyone. But it's just Flyers fans on Twitter bored, and they want they they want to see Chuck make a move, which everyone wants to see Chuck make a move, but we don't want to see Chuck make a move just to make a move. Like I saw people on Twitter saying, "Let's give Frost and Blank and Blank up for Eklom," and like first of all, Frost is hurt, so you can't trade him. So Frost in any kind of trade scenario right now is just wrong because you can't trade an injured guy. And second of all. I'm not going to sit here and argue against trading for Eklund. I would love him on my hockey team. And I'm not saying that it would make the team worse. Obviously, adding a guy like him would, would help on off the ice, on the ice, everywhere. And But training away Morgan Frost for a guy like him, like I, I don't want to trade I don't even a, think the Preds do it. No, but first of all, you can't even trade him away. But, like, I, I just – I don't want to trade away a lot of value because, obviously, that's not what it's going to stop at is – is frost but like the the comparison for a guy like Eklund would be what two two second round picks like martinez went or 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 a first round pick and two b plus c plus prospects but like i i don't want to make a trade and trade away a guy like i'm not completely against trading away a guy like frost for obvious or a, a good return but i'm not willing to trade away someone like that like one of our a plus a prospects for a rental and and then and then what happens after that like uh, nah I'm cool on, on on trading away value like that just to make a trade you know what I mean like let, let's talk about value here let's talk about what if the right deals you know on the I table mean? I'm doing it a hundred percent though like uh, absolutely absolutely like no nobody on the roster outside of maybe Hart Provorov and Couturier maybe Provorov <laughs> at this point and I'm just it would take a lot for me to trade him. But like other than those three guys, there's not anybody on this team that I'm not willing to trade. Obviously, there are some guys that you value higher, and, and you're like, hey, I'm not going to trade away this guy for one year of Eklom, or I'm not going to trade away this guy for a rental piece when, when, when Frost could be a... I mean, he's the, he would be a front to a a, a Forsberg deal. That like, I think Frost would be involved in something like that, but like I said right now, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to be involved in any kind of trades. But just the fact that people are so willing to trade away value like that just just to get somebody in here you know what i mean I, that's what i'm really trying to get at like just the value is where it, you really start to get me because i'm not opposed to trading anybody on this team especially i mean i'm a i'm a huge morgan frost fan but like just value is where i start to cringe at those kind of trades and how many years does ekholm have left two still so we would have to either protect him next year or pay Seattle to take him or pay Seattle not to take him. It's, it's whatever. Like, we don't know what Chuck Fletcher is thinking. And honestly, like the more and more as time goes by and like, like you said, it's, it's a very weird trade market right now. It's a very weird scene in the NHL with the, with COVID, with the 56 game schedule. No GM wants to make a, a big move like that, but 
I don't know. We'll see if Chuck does something. I'm, I'm definitely not ignoring the fact that this team needs somebody, but we'll, we'll see where it goes. Hey, I, we talked about a, a little bit on the last podcast how Chuck really just has no loyalty. He's not married no. to any anybody in this regime, really. Neither is Elaine Vigneault. The only player Elaine Vigneault is really married to, actually, the whole regime is truly married to Kevin Hayes. If you think about it, the only pro fraud with his deal, those were the two players they bought into. Like off off the start and Travis Connect me. We'll yeah. get into we'll get into more and to him in a little bit and uh, spend some arguments on the timeline about him like always ever since the playoffs. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it <laughs> has to be the right deal, of course. For sure, and I, I'm. That's what I'm just trying to say. That that's the that's the main point I'm trying to get across is just the value. I'm not willing like this team is ready to buy right now. I think this team is in a in a buy mode. Obviously, I think they're a playoff team. But I'm not willing to trade away that amount of value just for a playoff run, real quick. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's definitely it'd be nice to get some help right now, but I don't think it's going to even going to cost you that much. So to 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 start out with value that high is insane to me. Bleed orange and black says, "Do you guys think one trade is really enough, or is the mindset, or is it the mindset or culture? When they play their game, they are on a roll, but it's never consistent." What do the guys, AV, and the management have to do? Dude, this is more of the same of what we just said. Like, I don't even, I don't even really know where they go from here. Like, is it crazy of me to say that like I want to trade, but at the same time I want to see how these next couple weeks play out, up leading up to the deadline? Like, I feel like both of those things could be true. Like, I eventually want a trade. I want Chuck Fletcher to make his mark on the season, and like, like that would be sick. Like, let's get it at the deadline, go on a nice run, but. I just don't know if I want it tomorrow. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, because more, more people are going to open up. Yeah. More opportunities, more trades, more deals are all going to open up near the deadline. They always do. I mean, obviously, I would want to see a trade be made because, obviously, that would make the team better and it would give the team a better chance to, to make a run deep into the playoffs. But another reason I really want to see Chuck, Chuck Fletcher make a trade is that would signify that he's showing the locker room that he's ready to to give them the help that they need. Because it's not, a, like I said before, it's not a secret that they need a top four defenseman, especially to play next to Pro Rob. I think that's a, a huge piece. And I, I mean, we've been talking about it since the offseason that they have not added. And it's not a secret that Chuck isn't looking for that. I mean, he's been adding me looking all offseason. He's just looking for a spot. But, like, if he goes and makes a trade for a top four defenseman, like, I, I think it really sends a message to this team. Like, hey, guys, like I'm really behind you. Like, let's fucking go. Like, I think this like, – I'm not trading away anybody out of the like, core. Like, anybody's screen. Like, I'm not trading away TK. Like, I'm adding to this team. I'm not taking away anything. I think you guys need a couple more players. And, honestly, like, I, I, I honestly – I think this team right now, I think they could get you to the playoffs, but I think they're – a top four defenseman and maybe like a nice bottom six forward who can put the puck in the back of the net, who's just a scrappy, like always in the dirty area kind of guy away from making a nice little playoff run. Because this, I don't think this team's as bad as they've been playing. Obviously we don't think that, but yeah, I think a couple little moves, I think. And I think the fact that Chuck doing that would just add to the guys already trying to go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. Then like, I don't think Carter Hart has been as bad as he's been. No, he's in, I guess hyped he's been, up to been. He's not okay. He's not been as bad as like his haters have said that he is, but he hasn't been as good as like the people that who love him say that. He, like, in, like the people who in are, that they're, they're Penguins game, him. that first Penguins game, like it, we could have gotten scored on twelve times. Yeah, 
Dude, the, At, the, like seriously. Dude, the beginning of the season, he was like half the reason why we had the record we have. I mean, how many games did we walk out of getting completely outshot, and then we were just okay. We kind of stole that one. Didn't really deserve to win it, but like that needs to change. So many games at the beginning of the season where he just stole in his head, played some great hockey. Obviously, he hasn't had the best season. He's been mediocre this season. I think that's just like the team's been. I think that's that's a great word to use. It's been the mediocre start of the season, honestly. Luckily, Elliot's kind of stepped in and awesome. just. How could honestly, he? It reminds that? me of last year. It really does. It reminds me of last year. I feel like the same exact thing kind of played out last year. It was really nice seeing Hart get that that shutout right after Elliot got his against Buffalo. I mean, like you, as much as people hate to say, it, you gotta beat up on those teams, and the fact that they did three uh, nothing back to back days is fucking awesome. Because like you, the losses suck recently after those two Buffalo wins, but like. That team's in complete disarray, so you need to beat up with them, beat up on them. We have a couple games against them coming up, so we need to do it again. But to do what we did, and for Hart to get the confidence that he got, because I don't think he played that bad against Washington last night at all. I think the the, thir- the third goal for Washington after Farabee got punched in the face by Char, and then JVR went over to to fight Char or whatever, then they scored. I mean, that's just the Flyers not having enough players to get back and play defense. And I, I don't think Hart was to blame at all last night. I think Hart played a solid game. I don't think he was perfect. But I think getting that shutout is huge for Hart's momentum. And I, it's huge for his confidence. He always seems to bounce back. And that's something that we always seem to talk about in this podcast. He he can get shelled. There's no denying that. He And when he gets shelled, he completely gets, <laughs> he gets uh, beat up pretty bad. But he always comes back. And he always... Has a solid game. So I think that's shut out for Hart. Even though it came against Buffalo, a team that's in complete disarray. I think that's really good for him. Yeah, like, honestly, to his his credit, like, he's had to deal with just the Flyers throwing grenades and just yeah. not getting the puck out. Sometimes it's, it feels like... The defensive zone breakouts this year have been so bad. Like, you wouldn't have... Like, looking at this, watching this team and watching last year's team, you, you would have thought that the Flyers front office did a complete overhaul and it was a complete different team they don't look like they know how to break a puck out sometimes it's 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 mind-boggling because sometimes like we see them play with such confidence and we know that they can move the puck out of their own zone they got a lot of puck movers back there sandheim ghost program's not really a puck mover but they have so many uh, eric gustafson when he does play it's so many puck movers and just to watch them not be able to break a puck out sometimes and, and always go for that long stretch tip pass to get the puck in the next zone is fucking so annoying. It, it, it drives me crazy, man. I want to get into Sandheim a little bit because he got a lot of hate on the timeline last night. And to be honest, we were kind of confused as to why because I don't I don't think he's, in terms of like, honestly, in terms of our defensive core in general, I don't really think he's like the scapegoat. It's like I don't think he should be the guy everyone's on. Overall picture, I see the frustration with Travis Sandheim, but recently I think he's been one of the best defensemen on the team. I think recently his defensive game has really been stepping out to me. His his active stick, he he, he has he's just inconsistent, and I think that's the the main overall frustration with him. And I think that's where you're starting to see people leak out on the timeline, start tweeting about him, and I think that's where you see that kind of stuff come from. But recently, I think Sandheim has been one of the best defensemen on the team. I think he's been good. I don't think he's been great. I mean, I think the, the defense. The team defense as a as a whole is is garbage. Like the forwards coming bad. We talked about it before. The forechecking from the forwards is all is, is awful. They always cheat the other way, and the the, the defense just isn't playing good right now. But I I think Sandheim has been better than his overall viewpoint recently. I think. 
Yeah, definitely. It's like I said, in terms of our defensive core, I think he's one of the, been performing like one of the best and deserves the least amount of hate over the last like week or so. But like you said, big picture, of course. Yeah, big De- picture, you got it because he's the, the, the big picture. He shows these spurts of dominant play of him him stepping up on the play, taking the puck, using his amazing skating ability, and, and look real dominant. But then again, but then you see that, and then you don't see it for in a couple of games, and you and you and you wonder where it goes sometimes. And I I definitely one hundred percent see the the frustration with Travis Sanheim. Am I ready to move on from Travis Sanheim? Absolutely not. People. I mean, he, I, none of these guys are going anywhere. Like Chuck is not trading away Sandheim or 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 connecting. Right? I don't think any of these dudes are going anywhere. So we're like, deal with it at this point. Devin says, "Power play fucking blows." Fucking Devin, <laughs> he's right, dude. Like, <laughs> a, a, as simple as you put it, the, the power I, and, like play... I'm tired of saying it, bro. Like I honestly <laughs> am. Like I'm like fixed it, bro. Dude, we sat Seriously. in the back of high school and talked about how fucking bad the power play is. I feel like and... I'm, I sound like a fucking broken record uh-huh. on this podcast saying about how the uh, power play sucks so damn bad, and it's like. I see people calling for Terrian's head now, and it's like I honestly don't. I honestly don't blame him. No. Like it's like no, it's time. It hasn't showed anything. He's definitely on the hot seat for sure. I mean, it's it's to the point where you, I'm gonna just scream. Just I think they're overcomplicating things, man. I think they're like just trying too hard to find the right solution. When honestly, I mean, I I don't think the the answer is 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 hiding anywhere. Like, just put your rue where he's been since. I can remember watching hockey. Give Voracek his own power play. Put him on power play, too. I think Drew and Voracek should be separated. And I think Couturier should be on the first power play along with Farabee on the right wall with Gustafson or Ghost on the first. And then put Provorov on the second if you want. Or, honestly, if you don't want to put Provorov on the first or second, I'd be cool with that. I'd be cool with Ghost on the first and then Gustafson on the second. But then again... This team really seems to be shying away from putting Ghost and Gustafson in the same lineup. That's something that we talked about in the offseason, too. So, <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I, I know Gustafson played last game and Ghost was in the lineup, but, like, they seem to just be going, just cycling Myers, Hag, and Gustafson. I mean, Braun had a little bit of a thing with COVID, but, I mean, I don't see him being in part of that cycle. But, I don't know, man. I'd be cool with Ghost and Gustafson being like the two power play defensemen, and that's it. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think Provorov's going to be on the second unit. After this episode, I'm going to go and look over what our power play percentage has been between the Terrian AV regime and the Hackstall one. And I'm interested to see which power play is better. I'm interested. I really am. It's so weird, though, because I remember before the fucking – before the stoppage last year, I remember specifically that that Capitals game. I don't remember if it was the seven two or the five two one. We were in Washington, and it was the Couturier goal when Giroux set up behind the net, fed it to Couturier, and he just slammed it home. Remember that goal? That goes in like the first or second period of that Washington game away. It was yeah. Right before the stoppage, I, I remember around that time the. The, the, the topic of discussion was the power play because I remember sitting here with you being like the power play has been so good this season speaking about before that and then they, they kind of tailed off but around that game is when they started to pick it back up pick it back up and then the stoppage happened again and ever since then in the bubble and then this season it's been trash it's been so bad I mean like, like we said it's them looking for the perfect play it just just like Profraff said in the the, the post uh, the press conference Last night, he's just we just need to start putting pucks on net, 
and just putting anything and everything on that and getting the bounces. That's that's how you allow a PK to really back off. Because right now, you see every PK that we play against, pressure, pressure, pressure every puck carrier at the fire on, on, on the power play. Because they know that the Flyers are not shooting the bitch, bro. Like they're, they're looking for the, the cross-eyes tip play. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Voracek looks for that that tip play in front of the net. I mean, they, they're not putting pucks on net, so why not pressure them and then get an active stick in there and then get a bouncing puck and then clear it? I mean, that, that, that's been the story of the Flyers' power plays for, for years. And then the the zone entries. Voracek is the only one who can enter a zone. Hayes does it sometimes, but then, then again, Hayes is the, the way he's he can be slow at sometimes is really frustrating when you're trying to get a power play going because his – his slow play and the, and the way he sees the game sometimes can be so frustrating. You just come on, Hayes. Like you're one, you're you have one more do than they do. Like we need a little bit more pace than what you're giving me right now. Sometimes I think the Flyers, uh, as a whole, you can scream at them for that. Just they seem to be so complacent with the pucks at times. There's just no urgency behind their play at times. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. Your boy Coots says, genuinely curious. With how good this same core basically was last year, do you think that the bubble format playing in front of little to no fans has damaged or killed the momentum of this team? Or was last year's team a fluke? And to add that, one person responded to him. Andy said, the D core really isn't the same. They missed Niskanen and Myers has been injured. I think it's in a dramatic drop-off. You know what really worries me about this whole situation? And we really knew that the loss on Niskanen was going to hurt, but I didn't think it was going to hurt this much. I really didn't. Like, does this worry you with Provorov at all? Like, the fact that he needs somebody that stable next to him to be able to be good? Because I don't think Provorov has been... I mean, he's been decent this year, but obviously he hasn't been as good as he was last year with with, with, with Niskanen there. But does that worry you at all with, with Provy? Yeah, I'd say a little bit, but I feel like I gotta, I gotta see him struggle more. Where is I, really, I would have honest. to see him struggle more. But a lot of, a lot of this, these, these like emotions that I get about the team, I always have to sit there and remind myself that like, yeah, I know it's a shortened season, you, like, mm-hmm. like there's no time to like really like find your footing. But like, it, it still is has only been 20 games. Yeah, I know. It, it's really hard to to make these kind of assumptions on these kind of on these players with, and then you look back and you're like, okay, it's only been. 20 or something games spread out 20 games too like a like a two weeks off that one time with the COVID stoppage and then there was like four days in between games and now we're playing six and nine days it's like it's all out of whack he, he has his plays in the defensive zone where he takes the puck and he makes that extra curl move to to settle things down and you're like okay that's the pro Rob that we all know and love and then you just see him lose the puck at times just lazy plays in the in the defensive zone or him just making the completely wrong read in the defensive zone like I went back and watched the first and second period, and he made a couple plays in the defensive zone, like blind, just slapping around the boards, get it out, kind of lazy plays that you hadn't really seen from a Flyers team last year. Like, you saw a Flyers team last year, like, Pro Rob last year, where have got that puck, settled things down, and then found a stick blade to hit to, to get it out. You know what I mean? It just it, the overall team defense and the overall team mindset just seems to just slap the bitch out of the zone, hit glass, like get it out. (laughs) There seems to be no breakout and no, like no forwards coming closer to the defenseman and making the breakout passer shorter. And like, like when you're really struggling to break 
break the puck out like the Flyers have been since the season start. The forwards really need to 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 come down more and and let that pass and let that breakout pass be shorter than a usual breakout pass that you would like it to be. You know what I mean? Like you would like a, a breakout pass to be a a normal distance, but I, as much as the Flyers defense has been struggling, you need to come down a little bit more, and make it easier on the defense. So I think it's an overall. And overall of things, it just you obviously need a top four guy. It, it, it's so obvious, bro. And, and Chuck's obviously looking. It's just a matter of when he's going to do it. It's a matter of who it's going to be. Like, there's a lot of guys. Like, Manson on the Ducks is a guy that I'm looking at right now. I know I was talking to to Mikey on the on Twitter about it. It's, it's a guy that I would like to see the Flyers look at. The Ducks aren't doing anything in the next couple of years, so I'm sure they wouldn't be too opposed to getting rid of a guy like that. He's a right-handed defenseman, so... I would like to see the Flyers get back to the way they kicked off games last year in the first period where they were just kind of like they would never cheat. They always made the simple breakout, simple play, dump it in, hit your opponent, wear them down, then open it up as the yep. game goes along. Yep. And I feel like all that's been missing. Mm-hmm. At least the last couple of games it's been missing. Uh, we started to see flashes of it, especially against the Sabres. And I don't care what anyone tells me. Like every team in the National Hockey League is good. Everyone's like, oh, oh but it's against the same. Except them gets... right now. They're a fucking tire fire right now, bro. But they whooped our ass earlier in the year. They did. Like, yeah. But right now, they like you need to beat up on them. No, nah, definitely. Especially if you're at home. Yeah, yeah. You got to. the fans back in the building. Yeah. I'm expecting two dominant wins. Danny, uh, we one, lose. One, never mind. Danny, we lose against them at home. I'm going to be fucking mad. No way we do. I'm going to no be mad, No way bro. we do. You can't. You can't. That, that was my first thought after that Washington game. Because the Washington game, like I knew it was coming on the timeline after that. So I was like, let me cycle off the timeline until at least tomorrow. They have to win that game. That was my first thought after that game. You have to win against Buffalo. This team is fucking spiraling downwards. They're in a complete con- complete disarray. You need to take one from them. 100%. There's no excuses. Like You need to take If one. they lose that game, especially if they lose it in like just bad, then... It yeah. really will take a toll on the team over the course of the year, and we'll, and everyone's gonna be singing a different tune about how they feel about the team after that. It it'll just be, it'll just be people giving up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't obviously I wouldn't throw the towel in after that, but I would definitely be a little like I, it would make me sit up on my seat a little bit. Like, all right, guys, like that's that's pretty unacceptable at home. Fans, second game of fans being back. You can't fucking lose that game. After losing the first game, the fans are back against Washington in the way you did it. You, you can't. You can't lose that game against the Buffalo Sabres, dude. Grittison at Harvey Giroux says, Feel like this core is way too complacent on being mediocre. I mean, do we ever take a step forward? For example, last two games against Pittsburgh, Voracek may have played the worst two games in a Flyers uniform I've ever seen from him. Then he was flying. Then last night he was flying. That just can't happen. A bad game is one thing, and it's easy for me to be critical sitting on my couch watching the games, but that is what I see. Feel as if I'm watching two different teams, dot, 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 again. I agree, dude. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to argue with there. It's just the inconsistency factor of, of. I mean, he, he's right. He kind of hit it on the head right there. It's just something that you've seen from Voracek since he's been here. I mean, two. I mean, Voracek's been really good the past year and a half. You know, it's definitely not something that I want to do is hate on Voracek because I think he's been pretty. But solid. that's where most of the frustration with Voracek comes Come, from. It's it, like it, he it, he could be so much more like elite. So much more elite, so much more, like, his presence can be felt so much more than it is sometimes. And 
I, I, I hate to say this, bro. I know we always say it all the time, but I hate coming back to money. But like the amount of money he makes, you can't be the kind of player that disappears like that. Two, three games. Like we need you, dude. Like you're the top guy on the team. And last night yeah. he looked awesome. And he he looked like he had his feet under. He was skating. Like he was flying by. And that's when Vorchek's really feeling himself is when he's when he's absolutely flying around the fucking rink with the puck on his uh, stick. But just the defensive la- the the lazy defensive turnover is just something. It's it, it's just that's what you get with Vorchek. Like I I've accepted it, but. I agree. The the two three games of, of disappearing is unacceptable, and it's the same thing from. But like, Drew's been good though. So I mean, I was gonna go there, but let me not. Yeah, he's been good, yeah, he's been especially good. given the fact that he's like COVID coming Drew's off been a really bad playoff. Good, actually. Yeah. I don't even know why I thought about going there. He's been really good. Like that that. Uh, he, the, he looks this, faster, dude. He does. The, those two goals against Pittsburgh to come back they, after being down three nothing was that was just. Him putting the team on his fucking back, dude. Bro, he's that... carrying again, bro. <laughs> when the going gets rough, bro, there's only one guy that carries, bro. And it's him. He, he's back to doing all those little things that just make you go like, oh my god, that's fucking disgusting. I think his absence from the lineup, like when, when he came back and I just watched the subtle little things that he does on the ice, you're just... Same thing with Couturier. When he came back after his injury, the subtle little things they do on the ice is just... You're like, okay, that that little play that they just made can make a huge difference in a hockey game. Like, it, it makes a difference between being down one nothing or me, being down two nothing. Like I saw Couturier make a play in the defensive zone where he like jumped in front of a like a loose puck that was going to get picked up with speed. And obviously, it's not going to be on ESPN for best plays, but like it's just subtle little plays like that that Couturier and Drew make that you're just okay. Like that's why guys who coach him and guys who've been playing with him for the last 10 years think that they're one of the best players in the league because they just do subtle little things like that that are just not appreciated on a stat sheet. Just so good. So fucking good. I don't even know why I thought about coming after Drew like that, Danny. You should have screamed at me for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's just been awesome, bro. Like, it's just awesome to see. I mean, 33 years old and he's in, a lot of talk has been surrounding him. Obviously, he's the captain of a fucking Philadelphia sports team, but he's just, that's my guy, dude. Ed Van Pimp. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? I love it. Says missing the playoffs. That's it. That's uh, all he says. That's all he says. The, honestly, the Flyers are right where I thought they'd be. They're, they're they're currently fighting for a top four spot in the in a, in a loaded East division. They're they're fucking they're twelve seven and three. Like Boston lost to the Devil. They had two losses to the Devils over the weekend. Like, 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 shit happens. Like, teams lose to to teams, and like, the Flyers are going to lose to these. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Losses happen. You know what I mean? Like, Boston is a is an obvious Stanley Cup contender and an obvious Stanley Cup pick, and they lost to the Devils twice. So, like, I I can't get like like you said, you can't get caught up in players' individual stats in a twenty game season. I don't want to make. A crazy statement 20 something games into this season i'm not ready yet 22 games in i'm not ready yet dan i know and th- that's shit. the thing that sucks about it is because it's only a 56 gamer and shit everyone's needs to be pick like, up no... though the team needs to show us something they yeah. need, they really like it's getting to the point now where it's like the patience is running out we want it we want the team to have their identity we want to know what we're getting from them when we tune into a game i feel like 22 games into last year you knew what you were kind of getting from the team when you tuned in i don't feel the same as this, this you never know what team's coming no ever nope 
And I think the five on five play has been a lot better recently, especially since the beginning of the season. It's just they're they're really starting to lose games through special teams. And I think that's really when you're going to start seeing special team coaches start put, get, putting on the hot seat if, if, if this continues. Like, Couturier said it last night in his interview. Like, at a certain point, you need to gain, like, a killer instinct on the power play and score a fucking goal. It's basically what he said. Obviously, he can't curse on the on TV. But, like, at a certain point, like, you just need to fucking put the puck in the back of the net and just shoot the bitch, dude. Like, the power play is so infuriating. And we already talked about it, but... He's right. Like at a certain point, like you need to fucking like put one in for your goalie. And Carter Hart's sitting sitting right next to him as Couturier says that, and you can just see it. And he's just like, obviously Hart can't sit there and be like, "Yeah, you're right, kids," because that would just cause a bunch of controversy. But <laughs> put one in for your goalie. Like, give this team a fucking kick. You know what I mean? Just there's, there's none of that, and that's where kicks can come from. Momentum shifts come from power plays and the Flyers have just gotten absolutely nothing from that or the PK I mean like where's Hayes been on the PK we talked about him last year on the PK and how how awesome he was with the shorties and like where's that been he scored zero he's had one point his last five games he's another guy that I'm looking at like one point in your last five games that's unacceptable like he needs to pick it back up too because I mean he's not a guy that like we can throw the excuse out that he missed some time like he was the one dude who didn't miss time through all this yeah so I mean other than like the 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 team shutting down, but like, he wasn't on any list, so one point in the last five games is completely unacceptable for, for, for Hayes, and I honestly, I think last night he looked really tired, there's a, towards the end of that game, I, he, I was like, Hayes, what's going on here, dude, like, don't even look like you're interested in playing right now, definitely just looked tired, but. No, yeah, he's the dude that I'm looking at probably the most, especially in that veteran core, more than Voracek, I have to say. Now he's because... another... <laughs> I'm sorry. Because Voracek will like like we just said, occasionally will have that game where you're like, why why does why don't we see this every night? Hayes hasn't had one of them games, and at least not since that Rangers game when he sniped it. No, no, Hayes has not been good the last five games. Like he's been, he's been okay with like creating plays, I guess for for, for TK. I think TK has kind of benefited from being on his line a little bit because as like Hayes is just a really good puck distributor, and I think the way he handles the puck and the attention that he he gets from defenses sometimes can really help his wingers, but other than that, like he like the like I just mentioned the PK. That's something that like he was so renowned for last year. He looked so good last year, and he got none of that. Like the PK has not been good at all. Hayes needs to pick it back up for sure. Matt Malario says frustrated. Feel you there, boss. Yeah, for sure. S S M L says I honestly feel the record is better than what we see. I feel the team is very much flawed. Their special teams are abysmal. The goaltending is mediocre. They need a true sniper on the wing to play with G. And they need a top three D-man to play 20 minutes. Sit Hey Gustafson. Outside of the Hey Gustafson part, what like you, you this this recap probably could have flown for a lot of years. <laughs> Other than the... Uh... I, I would say I agree with everything but the mediocre goaltending. I think the the goaltending Yeah, no, Elliot's been great. The the goaltending's been mediocre in like a in a in a couple of like hand-picked games you can go back and be like okay, the goaltending was was mediocre here and here, but as an overall thing, I think the goaltending's been one of the the positive spots on this team to be honest with you. Like because he, he said to begin, I feel the record is better than what we see. That's because the goaltending hasn't been mediocre, in my opinion. Yeah. Like the the reason why the record is that good is because the goaltending has been very good to start this year. 
honestly, and the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm starting to get mad at this at this team right now because the beginning of the season we were given the excuse of okay, yeah, we're getting outshot pretty bad right now, but like, that's not going to continue. Obviously, you're not going to get shot outshot by almost double like, as they were in games. But good goaltending is is cool and all, but at, at a certain point, you need your your team defense to start picking it up for them and like, it hasn't happened yet like, I'm, I'm still waiting for it to happen but it hasn't at all like like obviously you get the games here and there the, the, the two shutouts against buffalo were nice but other than that like i guess teams other than buffalo i haven't seen it and it needs to change because it's been pretty bad definitely especially like when it feels like last year it, it feels like it was so hard to come in the wells i know and i know there was fans in the building but it felt like it was so hard to come in the wells fargo center and leave with a win like, we just felt like we played. We always had, like, those 3-1 wins, 4-1, 4-2. Like, we just yeah. won games, dude. We just we played our system well. You knew what you were getting from the team. Anytime I saw the Flyers playing, like, a home game at the Wells Fargo Center last year, I knew it was going to be a good game, especially if Hart was in net. Yeah. I, knew, I knew I was going to like what I see. A solid game, yeah. I, I made that tweet last night. I mean, the start of the year, you saw the Flyers score like one, two, three goals on like the bare minimum amount of shots that you would need to to score goals in in, in an NHL game. But now they're averaging thirty four shots a game their last five games, and they're not really scoring that much. So we screen for shots, 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 quantity, and like we're getting it, and we're not really getting the the finishing touches. Like the Flyers, how many fucking posts have we hit? Like what what website? Do I have to go to to, to find post hit and get this stat? Because could, uh, I know Kinecti's had like eighteen since he's come back from the COVID list. It, it's it's incredible, dude. Yeah, dude, Kinecti's been so close, and it's like to the point where it's like, oh my god, I can't, I can't even really be mad at him because he's in the right spots getting Didn't the right Sandy chances. Hit one but too? like, off the yeah, hit one off the crossbar. Oh, it might have been off the post. I'm not sure, but nah, I, I yeah. know it was close. I know it was close. Very close. It just. I would love to see that stat. The amount of posts that we've hit this year have been incredible. But I watched the replay, but it's just something I wanted to talk to you specifically about. I watched the replay last night during it was a Nolan Patrick shift. It was he was with Drew and Voracek last night. And it's not just Patrick. It's a lot like Patrick does do this a lot, especially this season. And I think that has a lot to do with not playing games and just getting the overall feel of playing hockey back. But it's this team since the bubble, and it's 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 been really bothering me, Dan. That the outside play, like they had a a minute and I counted, it was like a minute and twelve seconds in the zone, and everything was along the boards and outside. Everything, not one player took the puck and turned inside where you score goals. Not one player threw a puck. I think maybe towards the end of the shift when they were dead tired, but nobody threw a puck in front of the net and then hope for a crazy bounce like that's how you screw goals like not all the time like this team just looks for the perfect play sometimes and and like defenses want you to do that like I'm sure Washington was was smiling uh, watching pet the Patrick line do what they did last night for that minute and 12 yeah. seconds just keep everything to the defenses outside hate like greasy goals like like the way the Islanders play like throw it on net like one squeeze yeah. through the, like the way we would play like they love that shit. get it to the point the point man like like he got uh, Patrick got to the point uh ghost is at the left point he gets the puck he, he does his little move and then just dumps it in gets the puck again does the same thing like I don't know if they're being told to do it 
if it's like a fucking Dave Haxall situation where they're just like dump the puck, dump the puck, dump the puck. But like I, I'm not seeing anybody take the puck from the point and like try to make a move inside and make like a nice hockey move and shoot the puck. It just, it just seems like they're being told just play that just this very sound game and just get the puck deep and just don't keep everything to the outside and like throw the throw the puck on net when you see an open lane just no chances are being taken right now no aggression out of this team right now something's got to fucking change definitely i wanted to see how some people were feeling this morning so i put out a tweet asking people how they were feeling and some of them really cracked me up i'm just gonna go through some real quick benny frank said we're bad <laughs> Still, no, Friedmont says playoff spot gone and they won't get it back. <laughs> yes, yeah, <I> all that. <laughs> Connor Flo just tweets Ekholm. Oh, hey, hey, no one's arguing about acquiring him. I'm arguing about some of the some of the deals that I've seen on Twitter, some of the value that people are willing to send to to Nashville for this guy. I mean, like, I I'd be willing to send like two second round picks. I'd, I'd be willing to send two. B B plus C plus prospects. Heck, I'd even be willing to send a an A minus prospect at this point. But like sending like our top five or six prospect over for a guy like Eklund, I'm 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 out on. The Stein says I want to kill myself. <laughs> this guy's I, I this guy's gonna... name is just Flyers Need D, please. <laughs> what is it? His name is just Flyers Need D, please. Like he needs a defenseman. Oh oh oh. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Bad. I mean, it's... I tweeted about it a couple... I don't know if it was a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago, but I was just like, the the more and more days go by, the the more and more Gustafson signing just makes zero sense, dude. It, it makes zero fucking sense. Like, you sign Gustafson for triple the amount that Char went to the Capitals for. And he is giving a lot more value to Washington than what Gustafson's giving us. Granted, Gustafson's good on the on the power play, but that's it's about it. That's the only thing that you're getting from Gustafson. I mean, I've seen been, Chara bomb some on the power play. Yeah, it's just that signing and I know like we we were kinda trying to find like the the silver lining with that signing and like trying to figure out why like the why it made sense and just trying to like for Chuck's sake, I guess. And just, but just now, like the more and more I th- like the more and more I think about that, tr- that that signing, the more and more I'm just like, why? Because like they're so obviously not like they're so obviously trying to keep Gustafson and Ghost out of the same lineup if they really have to. Like if it was really up to them, I don't think then those two would be in the same lineup. It's just confusing, dude. There were like a lot of options out there, and that's what he decided to go with. Yeah, and I remember like saying like this move only makes sense if Ghost isn't a flyer opening day. And yeah, we did when- say that. And when we saw them both on the roster, I think we're kind of seeing like our, like us being pu- like why we were so puzzled mm-hmm. in the off season. This is why we were so puzzled because they're stylistically the same player, and you already want to keep them out of the lineup, and they kind of make near the same money. It's like you should have just picked one. You should have just picked one. Either you should have just not yeah, have signed Gustafson and let like Ghost ride, or vice versa. Yeah, I think honestly. I just said that I'd be willing to trade an a, a, a something prospect for Eklund. I don't know why I said that. I wouldn't be able to. I, I wouldn't be willing to do that at all. That's like the one thing that I'm not willing to do is trade away value like that for a guy. I don't think he'd be here for that long, I mean, unless Chuck turns around and like trades one of our top five, top six draft picks for uh, prospects for him, and then turns around and then 
extends Ekholm to like two, three years, then that's a completely different story. But like, I don't know what Chuck's thinking with that scenario. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on, though. Yeah, just the, the team needs to handle their business in front of them now. They got a nice little homestand in front of you. If we can get a nice little win against Buffalo, I feel like the Capitals, like they're not Boston. They're the kind of team that if, if we bring our A game, I think we can beat. And I think we got to take these home games here and take advantage of the fact that we play so many games so close together in this stretch. But now we got them all at home, like these stretch of games at home. So like no travel at all, and it's all, I really want us to take advantage of this. Like you're getting in your getting into your own groove, getting into like what you do at home, waking up in your bed. So for a good week too. So yeah, no excuses this week. You need to come away with two minimum of two. And next time we talk is probably going to be either Sunday or Monday. I want to talk about at least two wins, Dan. No, no less than that. Like you have Def- to come away with at least, at least two. Absolutely. We want to talk about Sam Morin real quick because I'm kind of itching to talk about him. Go ahead. It, he needs to stay on defense. The this whole experiment with him on wing needs to stop because he's playing well right now with the Phantoms on defense and scored a goal today. So I think they need to just keep him at one position, his best position, and let him ride. Let him get games under his belt, not having to think about the the idea of changing positions and all the shit that you got to learn with doing that. Like the, the one thing that Sam Moore needs right now is just a simple go out there and play defense, play one position. I, I think the whole experiment with him and Wayne needs to fucking stop. I mean, they, they need to tell that kid that he's playing one position now and good luck getting back to the NHL because – I mean, we talked about the reason why they did it was because the Flyers have so much depth on defense in the organization. And while they do with guys like Zamola, who's playing okay right now for the Phantoms, you got guys like York playing really well for Michigan. But York's not a lock to make the team anytime soon. So, like, if Sam Warren can play consistent, good defense for the Phantoms, I, there's definitely a possibility that you could see him up here and playing. Because I think right now, I, I think a, a – a good Sam Warren playing on defense is a little bit better than Hay, Gustafson, or Braun. <laughs> Honestly, like I, a Sam, a confident Sam Warren playing on defense. I'll yeah, take that with some AHL that. reps under him, with his For legs sure. under him, I would definitely take him over. I would take him in the lineup with one of Gustafson or Ghost rather than them being together in the same lineup. For Agreed. sure, agree. So I think the whole Sam Warren experiment needs to stop. I think they need to give that kid one position and see where it rocks. I do want to see some more physicality. It's gotten better of late, but I I want to see some like I, like this team just gets kind of thrown around at times, and like it's been the the theme all year, really. It's what everyone's talked about all year. It's true I, though. I, it definitely is, and I, I want to see them stick up for each other, dude. Honestly, was, like <laughs> it's funny that like, like that's all that we complain about, and rightfully so. Like you want to see your teammate, your your team stick up for each other, but the one time that a teammate does that, we get squirted on right away. Like JVR goes over there to <laughs> try to fuck Char up or attempt to do that, that big dude, and then we get squirted on right away. So it's it's a battling thing with this team. This team just it, they do get thrown around absolutely. So let's talk about the uh, the Friedman revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> you got fucking pop, Patrick, <laughs> yeah. bro. Love to see that. And they don't like him, dude. Nope. nope. No, I was just gonna get to that. They, there's. I don't know if it was the comment he made about Pittsburgh and how like how how much he likes Pittsburgh and how much their locker room is better, or some shit like that, whatever the fuck he said. 
I don't know what it is, but yeah, they don't like him at all. Like they are obviously going after him in games and obviously like giving him an extra hit, extra little shoulder. When he scored on us, like one, it was the most predictable thing ever. But two, it was like, man, it, it was just typical Philly sports, almost kind of poetic, <laughs> especially with the way the game ended. You knew it was coming, dude. Especially, you know what it reminded me of actually. What? The way that game went, it reminded me of that game against the Oilers a couple years back, like the the McDavid revenge game against Brandon yeah. Manning. Remember that when he yeah. scored a couple, when he got that goal to go up two nothing, and he like said "fuck you" to the bench or whatever, put his finger up to the bench, and then we just came storming back, yeah. fucking raffle and shit, scoring goals. Like it was, that was that was a good time. Don't blame him for hating Brandon Manning. I hated Brandon Manning on my blue line too. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, honestly, like. <laughs> If you think about it, how mad do you think the NHL was that like the big the biggest superstar to come into the league that decade, the whole 2010s, his rookie year, his Calder campaign gets cut short by a fucking plug. Dude, like that like, is crazy. Like, like that Brandon Manning. Well, if I saw Brandon Manning, like you would think you'd see like a dude that kind of dude like a open hockey or something like that, bro. Like that. The kind of guy who tries his hardest at open hockey. That's what Brandon Manning looks like. And for to, to, to get put in the, uh, the ER from that guy has got to fucking suck. I don't blame McDavid for hating us. Honestly, I really don't. Like, if McDavid <laughs> hates the Flyers because of that, I don't blame him, dude. I'd be heated too. Like if, if I got taken out by Brandon fucking Manning, I'd be really upset as well. I really it like, it like turned it into a rivalry. It was it like a did. national. It was a national story. And I was on McDavid's side, bro. I was like, yeah, fuck Brandon Manning, dude. Let's get this guy out of the fucking league. Let's let him get off, get off the Flyers payroll, dude. This dude's a fucking bomb. Oh, he was the worst, man. He was the <laughs> absolute worst. Let's talk about the uh, AHL a little bit. We're at about fifty minutes, so we got 10, 15 minutes left. Pascal LeBerge scored today. He was absolutely flying. I mean, I know I make jokes about him on the on the podcast about like sending him, <laughs> <laughs> but dude, he was good as shit tonight. He was really good. It was like his second game in the AHL. His last game was on February twenty fourth, and he scored in that game, and that was his last game other than today. And he scored in today too. So his last two games, he has two goals. So pretty nice to see from LeBerge. Like, like you'll always know he was a talented guy someone who can never stay healthy so it's really nice to see him get a shot and play pretty well if you he said Ratcliffe play well too I'm huh? sorry Ratcliffe did play well you think he got like a little bit banged up in the second period I think he left the ice but he did come back had a like, he, he Ratcliffe this is the thing with Ratcliffe he I everybody knows that he was going to be like a solid player like the skill was always going to be there it was just about translating the speed of the AHL game and like just translating that kind of skill for a guy that's that big, it just takes a little bit longer to to for the hands to catch up with the feet, I guess you could say. And I think we're really starting to see the hands catch up with the feet. Like he's really starting to pick up the pace. He's really starting to understand the speed of the pro game. And I think the more games that he gets under his belt, the more he's gonna look good. He looks really good. He's really solid on the puck, and he's a really underrated passer. He had a nice primary assist on the OT goal today by Fitzgerald. So it's nice to see these guys playing. I know Wisdom's eleventh in the AHL in goals, so he's eighteen years old. It's absolutely unreal to see right now. It's fucking awesome, dude. That is sick. And then Forster's back, right? 
Forster is back. He had a really bad play today in the second. Uh, it was the third period on the power play. He had a lot of room at the top, uh, the top right point on the power play. He walked in, like stumbled on his own feet, lost the puck, turned around, swung his stick, and tripped the guy. Like it's a really bad play. That's just the kind of play that a coach is going to pull a 19 year old kid over and be like, "Dude, like that's just a play you can't make, especially in the pro level." But other than that, he had his first assist on Saturday on a Chris Mueller goal, so that's really cool to see. He's another really young guy who, in normal circumstances, wouldn't be here. So it's really cool to see these young players play really well for a pro team for the Phantoms right now. And the Phantoms are a fun little team. They got a little, they got a lot of fun players on the defensive ends. Uh, defensive ends: Zamula, uh, Wiley, uh, Millman. They got a lot of a lot of exciting prospects. It's good to see the Phantoms fun again. It is because they were. So boring to watch last year. I mean, a lot of people. I remember having a conversation with a guy on Twitter. He was like, "I am a lifelong Phantoms fan. I have like Phantom season tickets. Like I go every year. I watch every game. They are fucking trash this year." Because I was tweeting on TLI talking about how I'm watching a game, and he was like, "Why are you watching? Like we're we're god awful this year." I'm like, "Cause Morgan Frost is playing." <laughs> That's the only reason why I'm watching. But it's like you said, it's the the Phantoms have been injected with this this. This amazing fluctuate of talent, just wisdom, Forrester, all these guys coming in who really wouldn't be here during regular time. So it's really cool to see. Uh, I hope we get both Flyers and Phantoms playoffs this year. Me too, dude. I hope. I I know Michigan plays on Sunday against Minnesota to to figure out who they're playing in the playoffs, but that's going to be really fun. It's going to be a playoff game. So Cam York's going to get involved in that. So see how far, far he goes in that championship. How amazing would it be if he goes to that national championship game and then, I mean, obviously what he did with the World Juniors this year. It would just be a, an amazing sophomore season for that kid if he's able to do anything remotely good in the in this upcoming playoffs and upcoming games that he has. I'm really excited to see Cam York do because there's a potential ELC waiting at, right at the end of that. So yeah, If there was ever a time to get it, it would be after that. Mm-hmm. That fits the timeline that we kind of laid out in the off season. For sure. Honestly, all Cam York's development has kind of gone like Perfectly. according to plan Perfect. of what we what we've said. If we were to sit here right after he got drafted, and we were like, okay, this is what we want Cam York to do next year, like next ne- next time we talk about him, like he's definitely checked off every every box on that list, and probably more, probably exceeded expectations to be honest. I know there's someone listening to this right now that's like, oh, two, three years away. Like, that, shut up. It's not the same thing. Like, get, get excited about this guy, dude. Dude, like, you're still – be a fun player. You're still allowed to get excited about prospects and have a good team. Like, it's still possible to, to have a good team and have a good prospect pool because that's how a good team win. Look at Tampa. Like, that's, that's really what I look at when I look at – good teams in the NHL. That's usually what you got to do. You got to build through the draft. You got to make smart trades, smart signings. But a huge part of that is developing guys in your prospect pool and and just being able to replace guys like a Pitlick, like guys that you lose like that, that you don't want to turn around and pay the money that he got on the free agent market. Like a really good team that's good on the NHL level and the prospect level is able to to replace that guy with a with a really good prospect on an ELC, ELC contract and not miss a beat. Like that's what Tampa can do. That's what Tampa's been doing. They've been finding guys late in drafts. I mean, Point is a guy that everyone points to. He's just an absolute steal. But like they have other guys on that team that are like just 
gems of draft picks. Like Sorelli is an excellent draft pick. There's so many guys on that team that they drafted and brought up through the system that just can just plug. I know Sorelli got just got a contract, but like when he was first coming up, like he was just he was a guy that replaced a, a guy that Tampa let walk because they knew they had just a defensive, uh, not defensive. They just had a very big depth in the prospect pool. It's just that's how you win long term, bro. Like it's just you need a good prospect pool at all and to, times. To add to the Tampa point, Nikita Kucherov, fifty eighth overall. Yeah, dude. Like. You, you, you can't be like I never want to be what the like the only way you can be what Pittsburgh is is if you have two generational talents that they have then you could throw away first round picks like they're nothing because yeah and then you can have a guy Pittsburgh. like named freaking like Toolhammer on the freaking left wing and the guy's gonna put up twenty goals you know what I mean yeah, like, it just elevates everyone the guy you, like like I I I look at Edmonton and obviously they're not in a position to be throwing away first round picks because they don't really have a defense but. If a normal team got McDavid and put a, a fucking team around him, like a normal GM and knew what he was doing, got McDavid, put a team around him, obviously that, like, they would want to do that, you know? Fucking throw a first-round pick. like They would throw first-round picks around like crazy. Like a, when, you, when you have a player like McDavid or Crosby, first-round picks don't mean shit, but like not every team has a player like that. So for most teams, like a Tampa, like other teams – you need to build through the draft. I mean, you look at the Carolina Hurricanes. Their their defensive prospect through the years have been absolutely amazing. They've they've I mean, they traded for uh who's that guy on the Rangers name? Uh I I don't want to butcher his name. Brady Shea. Shea, Brady Shea. They traded for him last year. I think they gave up a first round pick. It's like they they just added to an already good defensive prospect pool. It's just I mean, you look at I know Ottawa has a couple good and it's just you got to build through the, the prospect pool, brother. Both ways it goes both ways. You can make trades and you can make signings, but you got to have a good prospect pool to make those trades, to make those signings. It's about finding the balance. Absolutely, sticking to your timeline. Honestly, getting a little lucky. Yep, absolutely, one hundred percent. Finding those late round gems like a wisdom. Like I mean, this kid's eleventh in the AHL right now at eighteen years old. It's just that's awesome, dude. Like that's. Elliot Dayrene, I mean, he's lighting it up in the QMJHL, and I know that's a that's not a very defensive league, if you will, but it's still like you, you're you're finding players late in late rounds. You're playing with house money. We talked about it all the time. It's awesome, but you need to start seeing these players either turn into something, or you need to see these players be used to to get a NHL guy in here, an active NHL roster guy. I'm ready. I'm ready to trade for some guys, bro. I really am. I'm ready to upgrade this team because I think this team can make a nice little run with a couple of nice additions. Me too. Just need some retooling. But um, nearing an hour now, you want to wrap this up? Yeah. Well, why not? Talk, All right, the, what about Patrick real quick? We didn't really talk about him. You want to talk about him before we wrap shit up? Yeah, sure. What's your What's your stance on him right now? Because I, I know we talked about him before and you were like, okay, I'm starting a little panic a little bit but i think i'm still where i was when we last talked with him to be honest i'm not ready to... i mean i'm gonna still be patient with him mm-hmm. but uh yeah i'm still worried i'm absolutely the defensive side has been awesome like i think if you were to look at him just on a defensive standpoint i think he's having a great year honestly i mean he had a play against washington in the first period carlson stepped up on the slot he was ready to let a fucking bomb go and Patrick got a nice little stick in there. He he's been really good in the defensive side of the game, but the offensive side he's 
he's staying away from the middle of the, the ice. It, it really seems he's, he's just using an outside kind of game right now. But I think, like you said, if we just give it a little bit more patience with this kid. I mean, he hasn't played hockey in how long? 20-something games under his belt. Like, let's wait a little bit more before we're ready to the package. Patrick and Frost in a first for Eklund or whatever the fuck people are talking about. Or, or, or fuck Patrick Frost for Darlene. Remember that one? Oh, that yeah. Who made that fuck. one? Yeah, I have was? no idea. You sent it to me, though. That's all I know. But right. that, yeah, that one was bad. That one was real bad. Just... <laughs> I'm willing to make a trade. I'm willing to upgrade this team. But like, if we start talking about these crazy values where we're trading away our A-plus, A-chip prospects for a fucking rental, then that's where you see me head out the door because I know for a fact that you do not have to give up that much value. Like, If you want to make a trade just to make a trade and, and give up that, I'm out. But if we want to make a nice little trade to upgrade this team, I'm all in because this team needs a top-four defenseman and they need a maybe they need a little like bottom six-four that can fucking hit somebody. I don't know. A solid, you know what I mean? A solid forward. Because NK yes, hasn't, I talked about this, I think he's picked up his play from the beginning of the season because I complained about his play a little bit, but he was one of the guys that me and I think even Chuck Fletcher and AV looked at as like somebody who can really come in here and try to replace what Pitlick left and I don't think NK has done that at all. And I think he's looked better, but like, the goal is like he needs to start scoring more. Like he's not getting the same shots out that I I'm used to seeing from a guy like NAK. Like talked about it with a guy on the timeline last night. That for, I think is one of his first goals in the league against the Rangers. It was a slot shot on the power play. Like, I have not seen NAK do that in forever, dude. Like he needs to just get back to just winging the puck because he's got a really good shot. And I I know my boy Bert's a really big NAK guy, but haven't been impressed with him. Yeah, gotta agree with that one too. <laughs> But alright, this has been episode 55, y'all. You can follow us on Twitter at the Liberty O on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yes, you can sir. follow me at TLY Danny, Chris at Chris Stumps. And hopefully when we come back, it's we got two of three. Just like we asked. Go floor.